Support for At Length with Steve Scher comes from the University of Washington Alumni Association. Welcome to At Length. I'm Steve Scher. On this program, we dig down with a person to discuss their ideas, explore the nuances behind their thinking. Powerful forces are at work in shaping our perceptions of our bodies, self-esteem, family norms, peer group pressures, and the media all influence our feelings about ourselves. Actress, activist, and producer Kathy Najimi wrapped up the UW's Weight and Wellness Lecture Series with a talk on women and body image. Named Ms. Magazine's Woman of the Year, she's producing a new HBO series based on Ms. Magazine and the work of Gloria Steinem and the feminists of the 70s. In the 80s, Najimi co-wrote and co-starred with Mo Gaffney in the Obie Award-winning feminist comedy hit The Kathy and Mo Show. Two productions were later broadcast on HBO. Najimi's breakthrough role was as Sister Mary Patrick in the 1992 Whoopi Goldberg film Sister Act. She has a successful career on stage, screen, and television in a wide variety of roles. 14 seasons as the voice of Peggy Hill on the award-winning King of the Hill, co-starring with her idol Bette Midler in Hocus Pocus. She was back on the New York stage in 2014 with her one-woman show, Lift Up Your Skirt. A feminist, an AIDS activist, a PETA activist, she's spoken around the world, won numerous awards, raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for different causes. She earned some of that money as a formidable TV game show player and as a poker champion. We met at the Hotel Decca before a Seattle lecture to discuss body image among men and women. From Najimi, confronting negative social and media-driven body image arises out of her feminism and her own experience working in Hollywood. I was looking at some studies, studies showing that as people of any racial or ethnic group, well, integrate into the dominant culture, Mm -hmm. in this case, Mm -hmm. the American culture, Mm -hmm. their self-perception of their bodies changes Mm -hmm. and and more negative thoughts arise. Mm -hmm. Is that the media? Yes, I think also it's really hard to battle something that you've been taught is the worst thing you can be from the time that you're born. Um, There are studies that have been done with five and seven-year-old girls where they say, you know, would you rather have a deadly disease or be fat? And I know that they really can't compute what that means, but they say they'd rather not be fat. And I think that's a real thing. The opportunities we have to see on the internet through, you know, YouTube and vlogs and things like that of women who are standing up and TED Talks and Kathy Jimmy's and Cameron Mannheim's and, and um, you're able to see uh, a different example and people really wanting to start the conversation about a different way to be in our bodies. Then you shut off the TV and you're left with the 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years of being socialized to think it's not, it's the most important thing is to be thin. So I think a battle goes on. I think intellectually we identify with those women who are standing up and going, this makes no sense. And it, and this is new. You know, right now, Marilyn Monroe would be considered a fat best friend. She's a size 14. That would be, she would never be an ingenue in a movie, especially in a TV show. So it's getting worse and worse. I want to be honest about this and say, I believe what I believe, and I try to incorporate it into my life as much as possible. However, inside there lives uh, some rules that are really, really hard to shake. Two studies. Romance and body types. Mm -hmm. 
women didn't prefer the muscular ideal. Men actually found silhouettes of women bigger than the idealized norm more attractive. Mm -hmm. So is that people speaking to scientists, do you think? Or is that is that people being more honest when the images are shut off? It's actually more authentic and honest that we're saying that that's what we're attracted to. And, and I do think that men are inherently more attracted to curvy women. <laughs> um, I think actually all body sizes of women are beautiful, like for real. That's just like not like a dove ad that I'm saying. I really do think that, but which I love the dove ads, by the way. P.S. Love them. But what happens is men have the same pressure that women have. So you have a young man who's in college who maybe is attracted to a normal-sized person, but they've been socialized to think that their value is based on what their girlfriend looks like, and their girlfriend is only worthy if their girlfriend is less than 107 pounds. So you could really be attracted to someone who's a normal size, but you choose a girlfriend that reflects what kind of person that you should have. So you're of value. I don't think it's a bad thing. I understand it. But it doesn't lead to healthier relationships or healthier self-image. No, it leads to a lot of very unhealthy women and unhappy men, and it leads to, in a lot of cases, death. I was curious about your FAQs on your, on your homepage. You said uh, women are vital and beautiful at all weights and sizes. There's no one way we're supposed to be, although the world will tell us that we only have one option. Live your life now. Don't wait till you lose the last 10 pounds or even the last 100 pounds before you live life to the fullest. Well, that's what this whole weight and wellness series the scientists are talking about. That's what the point has been made that the, the best science now is telling us that getting up and moving, not setting yourself impossible goals because those are impossible for physical reasons, for environmental reasons. Take care of yourself. You'd be happy. And if you lose five pounds in five years, that's good. Any little bit decreases your risk of diseases that come with being overweight. Mm -hmm. But you also talked about you fluctuated in your dieting. Yeah, yeah, I still do. I'm just a person of this world. I'm a girl who grew up with a bunch of other girls. What has been set in stone in my head is set in stone in my head. Now, I can identify that and then move over it. It's not gone. I move over it. It still sits. So that's really what I'm um, suggesting to women. There's no way you're going to blast out Every judgment and preconceived notion of what beauty is in this society, there's no possible way I don't believe anybody who says they've achieved that. Unless you have no, I mean, you have to be a person who absorbed something growing up. We wouldn't know to pick up a fork and eat our food with it unless we were taught and saw everyone doing it. And that's ingrained in our heads. So we don't choose to pick up the fork because we've, um, we've looked at all the other options. We just do that. Just like we have been told thin is the only way that you can be that's valuable, where you're a worthy, especially woman. That's, that's your number one value for a woman. Weight, color, age. Those, all those other things sort of pale in those um, attributes, or attributes with quotes around them. So what I'm suggesting and what I've tried to do in my life is, oh, I identify, oh, I'm a person of the world, and I've been taught that being thin is the most important thing. And now, what do I want to do with my life? I want to jump out of an airplane. I want to have a great husband, love life. I want to be a producer and a director and an actress. And so I move over that, but it's not gone. Um, you know, that's what I encourage women to do too, because I think what bothers me more than that we're taught thin is the most important thing is that 
It's keeping us from changing the world. I really think it's not an accident that women are so diverted to only care about weight because what they're doing is not caring about all the things they organically would care about. I think women would rule the world if somehow we could stop caring about our weight. And it's a really hard thing. I don't think it's eternal. It comes at you at every moment. Hillary Clinton, who's one of the smartest, most capable women on earth, they still talk about her in pantsuits and her thighs. They've never talked about Hamilton's thighs. <laughs> so even if, you know. You should have seen that guy. Yeah, he had crazy thighs. So, so I, what I'm offering is that we identify it and then we move on and we live the fullest lives we can and we change the world because I feel like it's not an accident that we're kept sidetracked, that like 70% of our consciousness is thinking about how do I look in this shirt and what did I just eat and what would I like to eat. Can you imagine if that opened up what would, what would fill our consciousness? We literally could change the world. Brown University had a list of weight and wellness issues body image issues, actually. And one of the things they said was, take a, when you're feeling like you're being absorbed in this, that way of thinking, take a moment to second guess the I feel fat thoughts, reframe our feelings, get real perspectives. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Do you do anything in particular? I see it, and then I move on with the order of the day. If it's taking care of my kid, if it's, like I said, jumping out of an airplane, if it's playing games with my friends, if it's producing a series on HBO, if it's acting in something, if it's doing a keynote speech in Seattle, I get on with my life. It's still there, though. When did this issue become important to you? Was it always important to you? Was it always something that was part of your work? Because I was looking at some Kathy and, and, and Mo shows. You guys are very political and very broad in your politics, including these issues. So was that always for you? Yeah, I'm a feminist first, so this is just an issue that falls under the umbrella of my feminism. And I've been a feminist, boy, since... I don't know since I was born. Um, I think I started feeling rumblings of feminism when I was like 11 and 12, but there wasn't a name for it. And remember, there wasn't an internet, so you didn't know there were other people who felt that way. You were, like, there was nobody on your block who was talking about that. So now you can go on the internet and find whole groups of people who share your point of view. Then I was just one poor Lebanese girl in San Diego who didn't have any idea what to do with these thoughts of injustice and imbalance. And also, you know, seeing my mom, this very smart person who went to college really early, spoke five languages, of course got married off like she was supposed to, had four kids, and never went back to any of those things. So I think watching her potential not be supported was a big part of that. And growing up in the 70s where people cared about things <laughs> was, was also a part of it. So I think, um, to answer your question in a very long-winded way, I think my concern about wellness and body image and and women and girls falls under the umbrella of feminism and that we should value every person for the person that they are uh, equally. Did you talk to your mom about those issues back then? I think you said it was not her choices, raising a family that bothered you. It was her lack of choices. Did you guys talk about that? We did. You know, she saw a lot of my speeches. She saw certainly saw the Kathy Mo show. She heard me debate people on TV all the time. So she knew how I felt, and I think she agreed. It's difficult, though, to just look at your whole life and say, oh, it could have, should have been different. So that's why I say getting married early and being a mom of four kids is a great choice, if it's a choice. It just depends what your other opportunities are. If you have no other opportunities, it becomes not a choice, and that's what I object to. So you're producing a series about the 70s. Mm -hmm. Who are the leaders 
from that era that you're looking at that reflected the values in feminism, but also the, maybe the values in, in gender, fighting gender discrimination and fighting body image from back then? Well, um, it's specifically about that. It's um, I'm working with four other producers, and we sold a series ID to HBO about Ms. Magazine. So it's specifically the 70s and the women's movement. And, um, of course, it's Gloria Steinem, who started Ms. Magazine uh, with Suzanne Levine Braun and Letty Cotton Progerbin and um, Joanne, uh, lots of women. But the most identifiable, I think, in the popular culture is Gloria, who is a good friend of mine who actually married my husband and myself. And so Gloria is going to be there, as well as the other women in the Ms. office. There weren't a lot of them. Flo Kennedy, who was a friend of Gloria's, who spoke with Gloria. Do you know who Flo Kennedy is? She's great. Oh, you got to look her up. She's one of the most eccentric, authentically eccentric characters ever. Bella Abzug was, um, of course, Gloria's mentor and good friend. She'll be in and out. Um, uh, Dorothy, um, oh, what's Dorothy's last name? Oh, God. Oh, Dorothy Pittman-Hughes, brilliant woman. They're, those are the women. Plus, it's also going to be the heart of Ms. Magazine, which are the stories, and those stories reflected the whole middle of the country, not just Los Angeles and New York. So the issues, um, uh, domestic violence, which wasn't even a phrase then. It was just a way of life. And um, equal pay and getting your own credit card and all, all that stuff. All that happened um, in the middle of the country with, with the feminists who were actually the backbone of the movement. Prejudice in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So being at the center of the entertainment industry, you see all this. Yeah. The, and, and you, t- I, I read something. We talked about John Goodman, great actor, but he gets to play the range, whereas uh, w- women of all sizes would love to be making the, those shame choices. Yeah. As a producer. Well, I, you know, I. That's not. I have a lot of. Challenges as a producer, but that's not one for me. You know, I cast, this is going to be cast as real as it was. The women in the office were all ages, all colors, and um, all sizes. And that's the world we're going to populate this piece with. I never, that's not a problem I have, you know. I, um, But I see it. It's not a problem I've had in my career because I've not been considered for ingenue roles and it's not something I'm interested in. That's kind of boring to me. And I've never really been cast... Um, as something that's a size in a script. Like, I've never played the fat person, uh, which is great. I've just gotten the part. It exists, but um, I've not taken it or been interested in that. So um, I'll take the part of, like, right now I just signed for two years on on an hour drama where I'm the chief of police, and I've been uh, Sharon Stone's gynecologist, and I've been, of course, you know, a nun and a witch, and I just played Laura Linney's therapist on The Big C. I was the head of the university on numbers. None of those, um, you'll hear me knock wood right now, had a specific description of the character. Now, that's not the norm. The norm is, is that we have a bunch of women, especially in television, with very little control and power, but a lot of responsibility, and so the only thing they do have control over is their weight. And they get such praise for being very, very, very thin, grown-up women. I'm talking sometimes over 40. Um, that that's the only thing they control. And it makes me sad. It makes me sad for the women who don't look like that, who aren't getting those opportunities. And it makes me sad for the really talented, smart women who are getting those roles, but feel like they can only keep them, continue them, if they're a very, very, very skinny silhouette. Do you think that Amy Schumer, Tina Fey, Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, mm-hmm. Amy Poehler, do you think all those 
um, comedians yeah. and, and producers mm -hmm. are changing the media in a way that, in the end, changes our brains? I think there have always been women like these brilliant women that you just, a lot of them are my friends and people I look up to, so thank God for them. I think you chip away at a huge block of ice, and I think we've all been doing that for a very long time. I don't know if I can say that would change the zeitgeist. What do you want people to come away with from your talk? I want people to come away going, that was the best talk we've ever had. About? <laughs> no, I want people to go away maybe considering how these the people that we deem as beauties become beauties and what they give up or risk. And I'd like to come away with um, maybe a, a community answer for us all, because I certainly don't have the answer, about how to move through the world without uh, body image and weight being the most important concern. When you think about a community answer, mm -hmm. where do you start? Well, I, it's interesting. The spiritual part of me would say that we start within. The activist part of me would say we start with the media, especially for our children, because with the internet and media and um, there's not a moment that my daughter doesn't have something in her hand she's looking at, whether it's a Snapchat, a YouTube, a text, um, a, f a video photo shoot, a, um, a music, you know, everything. Everywhere she looks, there are images of how we think women are supposed to be. So I think there are two things that need to happen simultaneously. One is the journey from within, really looking, taking a hard look at if it's possible to, to get even close to caring more about your life than your thighs. And the other is taking a real hard look at media and seeing the damage that's being done to our girls and women. Do you think all that media, though, is also offering opportunities for people to see the spectrum of body types as a way to make that something that can be taken in as a positive? I believe it exists, but actually, no, I disagree. I, when I was growing up, the only people we saw were the people on our sidewalks and in our school. I mean, there were, you know, I mean, the TV, there was three channels. So there weren't, there wasn't that much opportunity to see a vast array of, well, we actually did see a vast array of body types because they were normal women. But now we get every photoshopped, airbrushed, eating disorder, suicide example of a girl and woman that um, our teens see. And I don't think it represents the women that walk down the street. Producer, actress, and feminist Kathy Najimi spoke at Kane Hall, the final part of the UW's Weight and Wellness series. She spoke about body image in women. We met at Hotel Decker for another episode of this podcast at length. I'm Steve Scher. Thank you for listening. Support for At Length with Steve Scher comes from the University of Washington Alumni Association. Mm -hmm.